Yoga in all its forms has been a support for me in my life through all the highs and lows. It's opened my mind and my heart in ways I never knew were possible. It has been a teacher, a taskmaster, and a friend. This podcast is an offering. I wish to share the teachings of yoga with you as a tool to help navigate life. Namaste and welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. So in this episode, I thought I would share with you a woman that is very special to me. I have never had the great good fortune to meet her in her physical form, but through my meditation teacher, Sharon Salzberg, I was introduced to a woman by the name of Deepa Ma. That's D-I-P-A-M-A, Deepa Ma. So I'm going to give you a little background on Deepa Ma. You can look into her uh, background yourself, uh, deepama.com. There's a website all about her. And there are books written about her. Um, The one book that I know pretty intimately is Deepa Ma, The Life and Legacy of a Buddhist Master by Amy Schmidt. So Deepa Ma was born in what is now known as... Bangladesh in 1911. Um, And she very much was curious about Buddhism and meditation from being a very young child. And of course, being identifying as the gender female, she was really not in the Asian culture welcome to those studies and those practices. But she used to very much like to go and explore meditation centers and, um, and the like to kind of meditate without anybody knowing, I guess. But she was, I believe, 12 when she was uh, married to a man. Uh, married off to a man, as as is done in that culture. I believe she was 12 and went to live with her in-laws. And her husband went to Burma to work. Her mother, Deepa Ma's own mother, when Deepa Ma was 18, married, living with her in-laws, or she may have gone to Burma by that time to be with her husband. But when she was 18, her mother died in childbirth. Um, Actually, I'm not sure that she died in childbirth, but she died unexpectedly. And she had a a baby boy that then Deepa Ma took and her and her husband raised as their own. When she was 35, she, and by the way, she's not called Deepa Ma yet at these times, and you'll see why in a moment, but when she was, she was called Nani, N-A-N-I, and she was 35, she gave birth to her first child, a baby girl, who uh, became ill and died at three months of age. And then four years later, she gave birth to another daughter, Deepa, and that's when she started to be called Deepa Ma, or mother of Deepa. And that is because her daughter's survival 
was considered a, a tremendous event because of the previous baby um, not surviving. But then she had a son, her first, who uh, died at birth. And then there was the sudden loss of her husband. So there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of grief. And like most of us, probably not a real understanding or didn't really have the tools of how to manage this grief. A doctor actually suggested to her that she try meditation. So she went on a meditation retreat uh, and then she went on another meditation retreat. And this is where she met uh, Venerable Mahasi Sayada, S-A-Y-A-D-A-W. Uh, he had been the teacher in, I promise you I'm saying his name wrong, but he had been a teacher um, in residence there. Anyway, it is said that in her study of meditation with this teacher and in these retreats, she was able to experience the first stages of enlightenment. So let's just encapsulate this and say Deepa Ma was a really fast learner. She was really dedicated to the meditation practice, to healing her grief. And she went deep into the study of spiritual powers or cities, as they're called, S-I-D-D-H-I-S. And she became a senior student of Sayada. And um, they say that the, I guess it's the lineage uh, that she studied was um, very, they were rare texts and very focused on manifesting, if you will, spiritual supernormal abilities. So I don't want to go into any more about that because she was able apparently to, let's just use the word shapeshift. And I might be um, using that word incorrectly and inappropriately in relationship to Deepa Ma, but I want you to understand the depths with which this woman was dedicated to the practice of meditation and received stages, experienced rather stages of enlightenment. She then later became a teacher and she went back to, I think, Calcutta. And she had, what she did was she took these practices that were normally found in retreat centers or in meditation centers in these places that were removed from the householder's life and she brought them back home. And she was now a widow trying to, you know, raise her children at whatever age they were at the time, or her daughter. And she had neighbors that also were under a lot of stress. And she would teach from her home how to meditate where you are. She is... Um, the teacher of Sylvia Borstein, Joseph Goldstein, Jack Cornfield, and Sharon Salzberg. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I never got to meet her in her physical form, but she is one of the teachers that I have felt in my practice and in my study over the years. She would give teachings along the lines of, you know, like I said, meditate where you are be able to move into that meditative state where you are. So for example, if you are washing the dishes, 
be with washing the dishes. Notice that as you are washing the dishes, you don't feel the water pouring over your hands. You don't smell the dish soap. You don't feel the weight of the dish. Your mind has wandered elsewhere. But she was really a wonderful teacher in showing us how we don't have to go to caves or special meditation centers to be able to live a meditative life, a life that is very centered and present. And still, still, you know, being able to experience that stillness. It's, it's, it's less of a struggle than we think it is if we just drop the load that we're carrying and be with what is wholly and fully in the present moment. And don't we say this all the time on, on this podcast? So she did uh, pass away at the age of 78 uh, back in 18, I'm sorry, 1989 in Kolkata. Uh, she was bowing before a statue of the Buddha um, and her daughter Deepama uh, survived her. Uh, Deepa, I should say, survived her. So what I want to share with you is um, from the book called The Hidden Lamp, stories from 25 centuries of awakened women. And these are stories from all different awakened women. And there's one in here about Deepama. And it is written by Amita Schmidt. So I will share this with you. Deepama's Fearless Daughters. Deepama was on an airplane with a woman student. It was very turbulent and the woman screamed. Deepama was sitting across the aisle and took her hand and held it. Then she whispered, the daughters of the Buddha are fearless. Amita Schmidt's reflection. You know, the first time I heard this story, I thought, wait a minute, the Buddha never had a daughter. Deepama, however, is pointing to a truth here that is deeper than historical facts. First of all, she's teaching her student that as a, as Buddhist practitioners, each one of us belongs to the Buddha's family. No one is left out, not by gender, nor by time or history. We all belong to the lineage and the awakening of the Buddha right here, right now. Deepama is also emphasizing the fearlessness needed on this path of the Dharma. To know the truth, one must be fearless, no matter what is happening. Whether there's airplane turbulence or physical injury, can you have a heart and mind that are unshakable? Waking up is not a part-time job for the faint-hearted. It is the intention to meet every moment continually without flinching. As a daughter of the Buddha, are you an example to all beings of the willingness to face what is right now without fear or argument? A few months ago, I had a lesson in being a fearless daughter of the Buddha. On a balmy sunny morning, I decided to go out for a solo swim in the ocean in Hawaii where I live. There was some colorful fish where I was swimming and I became preoccupied with following some of them. Unfortunately, I didn't notice until it was too late that I had drifted out with an ocean current about one mile from the shore. To make matters worse, a strong wind suddenly arose, and as I tried to swim to shore, the whitecaps pushed me back for every stroke I took. When I realized I was a long way out, alone, 
in shark territory and unable to make much progress against the wind, I had a moment of panic. It was similar to the scream of Deepama's student on the airplane. But then my Dharma practice kicked in, and it was as if the power of my intention from years of practice came forward on its own to help. It labeled the feeling. This is just panic. Panic is not going to help you. Don't believe panic. Then my daughter of the Buddha mind said, just do what you can do. Stay focused on right now, one thing at a time. Start with one kick and one arm movement at a time. You can do that. Don't worry about anything else. I put a concentrated focus on the body and stayed out of the mind. I paid attention to the movement of my arms and the swimming motion, one breath at a time, and the kicking of my legs. I noticed that despite the wind, I was able to move a tiny bit forward with each stroke. I focused on the small amount of forward motion rather than the feeling of being pushed back. A spontaneous resolve arose to not give up no matter how long it took. This protective dharma of the present moment, along with the resolve of the Buddha, eventually brought me back, exhausted, to the shore. Whether we are experiencing a bumpy flight, a difficult ocean swim, or a turbulent life, our practice is the same. We're given the chance to meet this moment with openness and fearlessness. It doesn't matter how long it takes or how much the wind pushes us back. If there is a willingness not to give up and a resolve to keep taking that one next step, then it is inevitable that each one of us will find lasting freedom. As women, our lives are a message to each other. When we live from the intuitive truth that anything is possible, then this message of fearlessness can be passed on through generations of women. This is the true legacy of a daughter of the Buddha. She poses this question to close out her entry. When you are afraid, where do you find Buddha? How do you find fearlessness within fear? How do you find freedom within fear? Good questions to contemplate. The Hidden Lamp, Stories from 25 Centuries of Awakened Woman. I'm really happy to introduce Deepa Ma to you or reintroduce Deepa Ma to you if you are familiar with her and have heard of her before. She really is, was a miraculous woman. And I think that the gift that she gave as teachings is priceless, that the meditative state is accessible to us wherever we are. That's actually the blessing of meditation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hands together at the heart center in prayer position. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be healthy and strong. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings live with ease. Namaste.